Can you hear me okay? Do I sound yeah. good? Do I sound? You always sound good. Do I sound good? <laughs> Thank you for noticing. I try really hard. You uh, also. That, you've got that face for you got that face for radio. <laughs> I do. I, that's what I'm going to name my podcast when I start another <laughs> podcast someday. Okay, let's go. So, welcome back to the Kona Podcast, Kona Cogcast Podcast. Uh, I'm James. I'm here with Lacey Kemp, and today's guest is. I mean. Kerry Warner is a cyclocross machine. He's a fitness machine, but he's also a content machine who makes like quote unquote professional content makers like myself just kind of feel ashamed about our whole hustle. Yeah, it's true. Actually, before I ever even knew Kerry raced cyclocross, I knew him as one of the most uniquely talented bike handlers that I'd ever seen. Um, I came into contact with Kerry on a, a when we were both were sort of in the floating world of trying to figure out what to do with our lives. And um, we did a project together for a, a different bike company. And I got to travel all around the Northwest with Carrie for a week. I had never met him before. He was there the day I chopped off the top of my finger and I passed out and he slapped me back to life. Quite literally. <laughs> I woke up to him and his accent, Lysy. That's amazing. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to watch him absolutely shred down the craziest terrain on this little skinny tired kind of like hybrid it wasn't a gravel bike it was like a like a cross-ish type bike and yeah I mean my mind was blown he is so talented and he's hilarious and he's smart and he's entrepreneurial and he is a sweet human being Carrie is definitely unique in this world yeah he's you know one thing about him that well two things struck me one recently so I was like doing a deep dive into his social media before we had a talk and some of the stuff he does on a whim, like he was staying, I think it was in Aspen and he like rode over the past the veil in the teeth of a snowstorm at night on a cyclocross bike, like on the highway. And I was just like, this guy's, this guy's a maniac. I like him. And then he really is just the sweetest, kindest dude, but he also, has a really solid grasp on what the role of the quote unquote professional cyclist is these days, where it's not just like crushing podiums and like, you know, spraying champagne. It, it takes so much more, not just in times of COVID, but like with the way the world works now. And I think that he's really defining a lot of what, what that role is. And it's, it's pretty impressive. He has more ideas per second than I do in a week, which is really saying something. Yeah, I mean, he's a true hustler for sure. I think in this day and age, you have to be pretty malleable with what your goals and expectations are and be willing to do things that you might not be super familiar with and just sort of jump in and, and carries, carries exemplary in that role. He's really good at trying new things and he's usually successful in what he tries. He definitely strikes me as someone, he he talks about being hyper competitive and I, and I think he tries to play it down under the, the ah shucks friendly vibes. But, you know, we're talking about doing this ride this fall that he'll be on and um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him at the very beginning and then maybe at the very end if he dines to wait for us because uh, something tells me he's not like a just flow with the pack kind of rider I feel like Carrie might be a good cook so my hope is that he does that ride and then prepare <laughs> a delicious meal for those who might be lagging at the end <laughs> yeah so when, when you and I crawl in with pieces of our bikes like there's food to pour down our throats before we pass out face down perfect exactly. <laughs> cannot wait so I guess that seems like a perfect place to just jump right into talking to Carrie thank you very much Lacey yeah have fun everyone Carrie you there I am. Woohoo! 
So, um, welcome to the Kona, Kona podcast. What's hilarious is like, I had this list of questions and like, you know, like topics to talk about. And cause I'm like, well, I don't really know this guy. Like I better have some background. And now that I feel like we've been through something, I can't find it, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> this has been quite the, uh, quite the, I don't yeah, know. You, you can at least hang your hat on the fact that I'm not, uh, pissed about this whole experience i know that i think it's terrible. i think it's kind of funny to be honest oh it's hilarious and i want to like play the cool guy and be like oh this never happens but this literally happens like 50 percent of the time oh really <laughs> yeah well that kind of makes me feel i mean i wouldn't say good necessarily but like <laughs> i'm just glad i'm not an outlier yeah i know it's um there's something about these stupid apps that um i i don't know they're they're all like a crapshoot. So, uh, how are you? How's things? Uh, things are good. I That's am. Good. I actually just got finished put making a, a little video. So, oh nice, super super productive morning already. Dude, you're a super productive guy. I have to say, for a dude who races bikes at like a world class level, you seem to also be like a world class content producing machine. So, oh, like how. You how do you find the time to do it all? Like, what else do you do? Does your wife hate you? Uh, I mean, you'd have to ask her, but I'm pretty sure she doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously the role of being a professional cyclist has changed dramatically, not just since the onset of social media, but in the last few years and now, especially with COVID, how do you balance like the work content thing? The, the ideas are, the ideas are kind of what fuels me, I guess. Like, um, I get really jazzed, like sitting around thinking about cool adventures. And um, at this point, like I've done enough and I know kind of the process of filming and kind of how long it's going to take to edit. So like, you know, I have an idea of how long all this will take, but I just really enjoy it. Like, I don't know. I think, I think this all started so I started like vlogging because Barry wrote it into our sponsorship proposal that he sent out to sponsors like two years ago, I think. And I was like, I don't know what this is, man. And he was just like, I will figure it out. Just go watch a couple and then like, you know, try and then do it. And I was like, geez, I was like pretty nervous. Um, Cause like, you know, I've seen enough bad video that I didn't want to be, I didn't right. want like, to do that. Well, uh, and that whole social media, like, hey, guys, so, like, you know, the walk and talk where you're just like, oh, man. I hate the walk and talk, man. It's so brutal. <laughs> I think I have, like, I have, like, a couple selfie sticks that came with different things, and I, I feel like I've used them maybe two times total. Like, <laughs> you don't you don't have one mounted, like, at the front of your arrow bars? You're just like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Let's yeah, get deep, a- everybody. Instead Hold of on, frame, gotta climb. You're like heavy breathing. Instead of a frame pump, I just have a selfie stick. On my frame. <laughs> so what what inspires your average? Because I mean, you put them out all the time. Like, how do you stay inspired, and where do you find your ideas? Oh man, I just I just like being outside and doing cool stuff. And I feel like I just like I think the reason I do the videos as much as I do is because I want people to realize that it's not hard to go to just like go do stuff. It's just like it's literally just a matter of committing. I mean, and it, and it doesn't have to be huge and like a big production. It, I think people just have to like, you know, 
put their foot out the door and and set the process in motion and then they can i don't know i just i i it's like a it's like my uh meditation is like going out and doing adventures or like the concept of inspiring people to just get up and go outside because it's funny i think to people of a above a certain age and i don't, I don't want to make a generalization because maybe it's it's society wide now but it used to just be the easiest thing in the world to like get up and just walk outside and go do whatever but i think and maybe it's the social mediaization of everyone's lives like it feels like there's a barrier to entry now we're like, oh, I'm going to go hike around a pond. And you're like, oh, I better order new boots and like active wear. Oh, yeah, dude. And that's, I was actually thinking about this on my ride yesterday because over the last couple of years, I've definitely trended away from consumerism and materialization. I just like, I just don't like that, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's this weird paradox because on the other hand, essentially what I'm doing is pushing people towards like to buy products that the companies that sponsor me make. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, I don't know, I guess I justify it because like, I really do like the companies that sponsor me. And like, I do, and I do thoroughly enjoy or yeah, like enjoy using their products. Um, so I don't know. It, it is a weird balance, I think. Well, I think there's a balance there going to more advanced like levels of enjoying the outdoors or adventure. Like there is somewhat specific equipment. Like you could go sure. and ride like a shuttle access downhill run on a Huffy, but you're probably going to just, you would never ride a bike. Again. <laughs> you know, I think the key is like buy something that you like that's quality and then don't trade it in every year. You know, there's, there's this trade show called outdoor retailer, which is like the big outdoor industry trade show. And, um, it's so funny because there's one in the winter and there's one in the summer. I think they even have a fall one now or they did pre COVID and like you walk through and everyone's like, your jacket is no good. Cause now we've got a different shade of green. And you're like, why? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like how much greater can the technology of duck feathers be? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this, you're like it's cool. You know, it's warm. Like what? I don't, now 1.001% warmer and drier. And you're like, Oh fuck. My other one's garbage now, you know, <laughs> I better go spend 400 bucks. Yeah. I better just throw this shit away. It's terrible. And, and I think that's, that's the issue is it's like, there's no, and you see some brands and I, and I appreciate that their heart is in the right place, but I always think it's funny when they're like, you know, Oh, don't buy something new. Just fix what you have. But then also, like, you get four marketing emails a day from them. <laughs> right. Like, All right, cool. Well, I mean, to be to, to be fair, if they're going to tell you that you should just fix what you have, they're, they got to send that many emails to try and hook you in. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, in, in bikes especially, it's like, you know, I have friends that I ride with that ride, like, essentially, like, early 20th century steel Randonneur bikes. And they shred every bit as hard as guys on, like, you know, the bougiest $10,000 full suspension Dude, this, bike. This also I was just thinking about because I posted, I did a video where I did a little flashback into my cycling past. I was home this June uh, in southeastern PA where I grew up, and I still have my first mountain bike there. Oh, right. Um, well, and so, so I posted about it, and somebody was like, 
oh man, I still have my GT Zaskar from whenever, and I still ride that every now and then. So I was just like, well, I just found my next uh, vlog, <laughs> you know, like next time <laughs> I go home, if it fits well enough, I'm just going to go rip around the woods on my childhood bike and just, that'll Hell be yeah. really, that'll be fun. This actually seems like a great place to ask you, how the heck did you even become involved in cycling? And how did that lead you to cyclocross racing? Talk about barriers to entry. Like in order to race, you've got to be kind of a monster. Yeah. So like I started cycling when I was 15, a friend that had parents who were somewhat into it, had some bikes and we took them out to a local park. And when you uh, say bikes, you mean like road bikes or mountain bikes or what? They were like hybrids. So they were like fully rigid Trek 8500s. It was the first okay. time I'd ever experienced a trigger shifter, which was <laughs> just mind blowing to me. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is cool. It's like a video game, you know? <laughs> so yeah, we grabbed his parents' bikes, pedaled over to the park, got there, and it was just so fucking hard. It's like a super technical place to ride. I mean, <laughs> southeastern Pennsylvania is full of rocks. And I don't know, like we had a miserable time. We could barely ride any of the trails, but we kept going back getting better and then like i was like oh i guess i'll try to get my own bike and then i my mom's friend at work had that bike that he was selling he sold it to me for 400 bucks and my mom was like are you kidding me 400 dollars for a bike and <laughs> if she only knew what she started <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so after that we got into our first race um and then from there i was just pretty much hooked and it was uh just kind of took off from there nice. there's a pretty good uh local mountain bike scene in the mid-atlantic called the mid-atlantic super series um and they had i mean i could my parents were i mean they're super cool they would drive me to races every weekend and but we could get to most races in like an hour and a half to two and a half hours nice so yeah it just kind of i just kept racing and then exposed to higher levels of the sport and i didn't actually get into cyclocross until i was in my early 20s and i wish i would have uh you know got into it sooner but the the thought process back in the day was like i mean some people still think this way um as a junior i was dumb and think and thought this way uh <laughs> like you race mountain bike all spring and summer and then you have to not race to like re you know like rejuvenate and reset and so um that was like kind of what happened all throughout high school and then i went to lee's mccray college in 2009 and luckily the upperclassmen there kind of whipped me into shape and by my <laughs> sophomore year they got me into cyclocross and then that's kind of when i fell in love with it past year obviously without the, the usual race circuit what have you been doing to stay busy i mean obviously you ride a ton but how do you keep kind of the weapon honed so that you can jump back in at the topest level of cyclocross it's actually 2020 has been pretty good for me because i have a hard time not racing just because i really like it and i think it's an easy way to you know maintain fitness if you can train and race at the same time with that said i've often got myself in just like spread too thin and like done too many races and not giving not given myself enough time to be at home and just like put some good quality miles in so 2020 was actually pretty nice for me 
for doing that. There's no races, so there's a le- lot less travel. So uh, it's been like a bit of a reset. Emily and I bought a house in July in Roanoke. So uh, we've been hanging out in Roanoke, Virginia a lot. And it's been really, really cool uh, exploring this area, which has a plethora of gravel, mountain bike, road, like all Brad. the good stuff. We're like three miles from the parkway. So uh, it's just, it's a really cool area. We've been really enjoying getting to know this place. So it's been kind of easy to get out and, and ride. Trying to stay in somewhat shape was a little difficult, but just because like, you know, sometimes it's hard to do intensity when there's nothing really to train for. But back in the in the spring of 2020, uh, so this is actually why we got interested in the Roanoke area. Some friends of ours put on a Strava stage race in the area. And we came up to do it because we were like, oh, well, like, sure, it might not be like the fastest thing to do, but it would be fun. So we came up and like, you know, did that. And we were like, wow, this is, there's some really good riding here. And and so we were from Winston-Salem, which is like central North Carolina. And it actually was faster. Like it took less time to drive to Roanoke. It was about two hours, two hours, 15 minutes from Winston. And we had always been going to Western North Carolina just because that's where we went to school. So we'd go to like Pisgah in Brevard or Wilson's Creek area. And we were like, wow, this is really cool. It's it's closer to get here. So we came back again. And then we were like, at that point in our lives where we wanted to move out of Emily's <laughs> parents' house. So we started looking at real estate. And we we're like, holy crap, it's really cheap to live here. So yeah, it all it all happened pretty fast, actually. We started looking at houses. And then like a month later, we bought one. So is there a, is there a baby Warner on the way to commemorate getting a house? Oh, uh, no, we're... We're on the ten-year plan for that. <laughs> I feel like every year I say the ten-year plan. <laughs> you mentioned gravel racing, and I know that there's some cross racers who have kind of a contentious look at gravel. What do you think of the the quote-unquote rise of gravel these past few years? I mean, as a as a discipline of the sport, like I think it's really cool because it's it gets you off of you know busier roads. Like usually, gravel roads are a bit further out there and uh uh just you know safer i think it like bridges that gap between road bikers and mountain bikers i really like it because you know like for me handling a bike is up there with how important it is to be fit and so i always think it's kind of cool when you (laughs) get these like strict road dudes out on gravel and and they're just like nowhere to be found, you know. So it's kind of nice because, I mean, I think cycle, usually cyclocross riders have a better handle of, of you know, how to oh, ride that sure. stuff. So what do you think of it as like a marketing tool? Well, I mean, I, I think it's a double edged sword. I think it's cool because it's it it is like it is exposing more people to that yeah. that thing. You know, it's unfortunate that the industry had to label a, a bike as a gravel bike for people to be a, to be like, oh, yeah, we should do that. Um, but at the same time, like it has brought, you know, other people that don't want to buy a new bike, they'll just jump on their cross bike and go rip. And they're like, yeah, this is sick. So I don't you definitely don't need a gravel bike to go 
you know, ride gravel. As long as you have a cross, even a road bike that fits big enough tires, yeah. you know, you can you can do it. Uh, is the cross season even? I don't even know if it's happening. Is cross happening this year? <laughs> I mean, it happened last year. But I mean, in, in the U.S., like domestically. At, well, Be- Becca's still over there. Yeah, I watched that last weekend on Flow Bikes. That was rad. I wish this was a video so we could like cut to her awesome face plant bike front flip down the flyover into the sand. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely planning for cyclocross to happen. I think it's just a matter of whether or not the new administration can get the vaccine out in time. I signed up to be on a road team this year. And so between that and mountain biking and COVID, like not having like preventing racing at this point, there's not a ton of options out there. But. If, if I may plug the road team, because it is a pretty sure. cool, they're, they're, they're an amateur road team called Project Echelon, and their whole ethos is uh, helping veterans. So it's a nonprofit that raises money to donate bikes to veterans, and, and, it, and they do more than just, like, give them bikes. Like, a couple guys on the team help coach a couple. You know, like, a lot of veterans come back from war and, and are almost, like, deserted they're on their own and then unfortunately a lot of them turn to you know drugs and stuff to just you know mask what they've seen and and been through and so this program kind of utilizes a bunch of resources in the industry to help to give these guys direction and like uh you know a purpose that's amazing even even if it is even if it is small, you know, just to like they they like set a goal like I want to ride a hundred miles in one day or something or I mean that's kind of a big deal, but uh you know something like that and then like a few guys on the team coach them towards their goal, but then the team itself raises money to do that and right now there's a a really cool fundraising effort for the month of February. It's 22 miles for 22 days to give 22 bikes to oh, black rad. veterans. How do people find information about this? Is it on social media? Uh, it is. So everybody on the team, the Project Echelon team, has been blasting out individual donation links. And each of those individual links go into the pot. It's this program or this campaign called Empower to Pedal. Um and so it's just, uh, I think it's either through Facebook donation or a, a website called Give Butter. But I mean, if you look up the Project Echelon team, the yeah, you'll find it. I know that your wife is also a racer. Um, is is that how you two met through cycling? Yeah, so we both went to Lees McRae College. Um, it's a really small school, less than a thousand students. Uh, she came in when I was a sophomore and I think... I think it took like three three months and then we were we were doing stuff together riding and <clears throat> i'll never forget the first mountain bike ride i took her on she came out on her uh gary fisher like 35 pound 26er and i took her on these trails and basically just went for a hike <laughs> in the woods with our with her bike but i'll never forget she like towards the end of the ride we got down on the on a road <laughs> she reached in her pocket to pull a nature valley bar out to eat and grab the front brake oh, no. and just 
uh, like wiped out big time chambering oh, to the knee. <laughs> she's she still has a good nice. scar from it. <laughs> a little commemoration. <laughs> do you um do yeah. you so I'm guessing you're both pretty competitive since you both race. Do you guys compete with each other? Kind of. Not 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 too much because I don't know. Emily has different skill sets than me, so there's not a, a lot of, of competition right there. Actually, I want to know what you studied in college because you've mentioned college a couple of times. What did you go to school for? A major in biology with a concentration okay. in nutrition. And that's the same thing that Emily went to school for, except she actually went through with higher education. So then she got her master's and she is actually now a registered dietitian. So, yeah, she's been doing a bunch of sports uh, nutrition stuff. And, and, and it's been really cool to see her grow that, especially over the last year. Uh, she's been helping a lot of people and getting more more involved with that that career rather than just bike racing. Obviously, you know, you're in your teens and early 20s and you're like, I want to be a professional cyclist, right? Like everyone, everyone dreams of doing what they love when they grow up. Like I skateboarded I was like, I want to be a professional skateboarder, even though, you know, I skateboarded for 30 years and never right. got good at it. Does it meet your expectations? Is it what you expected? And how is it different than you thought it would be? Uh, well, I mean, like when I first started, because that was before like iPhones and stuff, uh, there was no social media aspect to it. So it was all just like, you know, how, how many races can you win kind of thing. Now, now it's different. You know, now you can be a quote unquote pro more or less just like put out really cool videos or whatever. So I guess like, I, I kind of like where I'm at, where I have this balance of content generation and still being competitive because I think like if I did one at this point, especially like if I did one and not the other, either way you look at that scenario, I would probably feel like I was yeah. missing something because I, I really do like sharing my experiences and, and being relatable to people. Cause like, I am not just a robot that like goes out, <laughs> goes out and trains and then comes home and puts yeah. my feet up all day. <laughs> like, I would go fucking nuts if I had to do that. Like, uh, that's why I like buying this house has been really cool because it's also been a little stressful just cause like I've set the bar high on like these house projects I want to do. And now there's so much to do all the time. So <laughs> when are you building the pump yeah. track is the question. Oh, dude, I actually, I have a shonky that I still need to build up. I got it just in time for wet, like the wet season here. So the dirt jumps got closed down. But my friend that lives like three miles from here, he built a super cool uh, dirt jump run in his backyard. Him and, and uh, a couple other guys in the community put a lot of work into it. And so that was the reason I, I got the shonky. But then I got it and it started raining. So they sh shut the jumps down i want to do some dirt jump videos not that i'm gonna i be think doing you gotta do those on stuff on your but super jake oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so it's weird uh i got donkey and then jake uh you know like one of the owners of one i'm just like man i don't think you want me taking the jake off those jumps like there's gonna be some warranty requests if that happens. <laughs> although i will say i just got a major jake a few weeks ago after talking to you and jordan um as my quote-unquote gravel bike and uh oh, right. i am i what i lack in fitness i make up for in um foolish bravado and i've done some jumps on it and it's it's still rolling the wheels are straight right. i'm pretty stoked on it 
Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's a it's a capable machine. My question to you is, would you send a five or I, six? I wouldn't footer send a five or a six footer. With a but I'm 45, and okay. you know, okay, <laughs> I have a body like made by years of not being good at skateboarding, but giving it my all. So that sounds like a lot, a lot of that sounds like a lot of bone that, density. But um, but would I then after you know half a bottle of tequila? Absolutely. Man, we should have you. We should have you drive down for this video. I'm into it. What else are you looking forward to this year? For sure, getting back to racing. Uh, like I said, it was nice to have a little reset, but I am uh, very much looking forward to getting back between the tape. What's your favorite bike of all time? Oh man, I think about this a lot because I just like, it doesn't have to be a Kona, man. Whatever your right favorite now, bike is. Well, it is a Kona because like. I've been with Kona for, uh, I think this is going to be my fifth year. And I've just like, I've experienced more of the spectrum with Kona, you know, like before I would only ever have a mountain bike and a road bike with any one company. And so like, uh, it's just been cool. Like, I mean, like I'm fortunate enough to, you know, get things yeah. given to me uh and so like because of that i get to experience a bunch of of the bikes like year to year and so it's been cool to do like like in the past i probably never would have had a bike like yeah. a libre which is like their gravel bike it can fit six uh like 2.1 mountain bike tires on 650b yep. wheels that bike has kind of like really opened up my mind to a lot of different adventures and, and possibilities with that said the new hey hey though is probably my favorite mountain bike today to date because growing up like i was always on the race stuff and so it was always like light as possible you know not a ton of suspension but with the new hey hey being like a pretty light 120 120 bike that's like my dream bike because right now like i don't do uci mountain bike stuff i just do cool stage race races it does seem like with Um, that bike i don't have one um i got one from my mom my mom's a cyclocross racer um and she's been a bike like a semi-professional cyclist my whole life and uh, we happen to be the same size and so we were out i was on my process and i jumped on hers and i was like you know i've always been like a I don't need a cycle like or I don't need a cross country bike. Like I'm more of just like throwing myself into and off of things. And that bike is like both yeah. sprightly and like nimble, but like feels so plush. Yeah, I was dude. Like, no, I did a uh yeah, I did a comparison video uh earlier this spring when I got the Hey Hey and I, I just compared it to the to the older yeah. version of the Hey Hey. And and it was cool. I took I went to this place called Moore Springs in North Carolina and they, they have a like pretty short laps, like 20, 30 minute lap. So I would do a lap on one switch, doing a lap on another. And that was a super cool experience because, you know, like a lot of times you get a new bike and, it, and it's like, usually it's just a paint job change, but when they change up geometry, sometimes like you don't have access to ride yeah. both bikes. Like you don't maybe get to see the one or you had to strip yep. parts yeah, or something. Yeah, you don't see the, the development and the engineering. Yeah, and, and, and really, and getting to see that, like feel it firsthand, that was really, really cool. It's a big appreciation for what the engineers do. So there's been this huge bike boom with COVID, right? Like everybody sold out of bikes 
I, I remember talking like people mm-hmm. were saying like we sold out of bikes in June, you know, like a year's worth of bikes, let alone. And it looks like it's it's staying. Like people are still bikes are just you just can't get them. Um, what do you think yeah. that's going to mean on the whole? Do you think that really all the, a lot of these people will stick around? And do you think that as life goes back to normal, you're going to find bigger and bigger fields in in races and people taking it to that next level? Or do you think there's just going to be a huge used market for for bikes? Um, you know, I don't. I can't say that I know because. I'd like to say, I'd like to believe that there's going to be, you know, way more people. I don't, I don't know that it'll translate into race attendance, which is totally fine. Like I think just having, I mean, over time, you know, over the next decade, I think that that will happen. I mean, we, we saw that even before this last year at, mountain bike nationals out west like the junior fields were maxed out like 150 riders so you know like the sport has been growing i think this has this it is bittersweet for sure you know like people that want to get into it can't because (laughs) there's nowhere to buy bikes and you know maybe they're first time buyers so they're skeptical of using and they don't want to drop five grand because it seems Uh, like a lot of the like crazy top tier bikes are around but like yeah, that's yeah, that's like that's what's. I actually just had somebody text me um, this week, and he was like, "Hey, man, like, I'm looking for a bike. Do I have to spend five <laughs> grand on a bike? It seems like, it seems like that's all there is." And I'm just like, yeah. "No, dude, just <laughs> do that." Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I think it's a really it'll be an interesting thing to watch, like what happens over the next five years. I really do hope that a lot of these people that have, you know, more, more, more so for their own health and for the health and well-being of America moving forward. I hope that people stick with like the, not just cycling, but all the outdoor kind of recreation that everybody's gotten into. Hopefully they don't just like go back to the same rut that they were in before. You know, it's COVID, been interesting. You know? I was thinking about this the other day is, there's so many ways to integrate now your outdoor activities, be it riding or running or kayaking, or I mean, probably even like tree climbing, like, I don't know, into your social media regimen. And like so many ways to interact, like Strava-esque ways to interact with people and to race against people. And to even just like have like a companionable ride with someone or compare results or see what your friends did or, you know, interact with your heroes even. Right. So I wonder if that like weird kind of cyborg, like, video gamification of real world activities will lead to a like an ongoing surge in popularity because it's got to be better to like you know if you're the kind of person who's like into competitive video gaming which is you know apparently a huge thing right now like it's got to be so much cooler to be like i'm gonna go race carrie warner on strava than it is to like i'm gonna (laughs) world of warcraft some dude in japan like i i don't know yeah, no, I think that's like, uh, at least, you know, for people that have already been in the sport, I think that's why Zwift blew up and RGT blew up this, uh, this past year. And it's been cool because it's forced those platforms to evolve and, and become better. Um, and so now you have platforms like the RGT platform is I just did my first e event in preparation for a real stage race that I'm going to do this weekend, like a, a virtual stage race. And 
So I figured I'd better like try it out. And like the drafting mechanics and like you have to get off your pedals to hit corners and like things are becoming very, very realistic. Um, you know, you obviously don't have the handling aspect, but at least in terms of effort, it's it's very realistic, which is which is really cool. Yeah, you know, gives people like you socked in <laughs> up in the snow, like an opportunity to like to race. But then, like I was saying, like you can get in a race that Vanderpool races or Wout Van Art races. Like it, there's no, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. Well, and even if you're outside, like I think, you know, I've always like as a non-competitive, like I'm, I'm the least competitive person in the world. I'm the guy who like, when things get competitive, I'm like, I'm just going to go the other direction and get a beer. It's crazy to me. Like I've recently, since this whole thing started, like just been interacting with friends that I can't ride with through things like Strava. And just to be able to be like, Oh cool. Like, you know, we're going to go out and both ride, you know, 40 miles off road today. And it's going to be like me, on a fat bike on a snow socked beach on Cape Cod and like them in the rainforest in, you know, British Columbia and be able to just share that experience, even if it's somewhat virtually, but it's still a real experience, I think is really cool. It's no longer like role play, you know, it's, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. I think Strava's taken on uh, like a bit of a new meaning, like where it used to just almost be like a, uh, almost like a training calendar where you just like, yeah, Hey, look like what I did. Media I did these rides. Weird. Yeah. Now but like yeah, the best sure. version of it um, too. Right. Like it's not social media where like you're in your yeah. basement, just like hate tweeting at people. Selfie yeah. sticking yourself. <laughs> um, it's like selfie sticking super hard. <laughs> I feel like that should be a new verb. Like when you're selfie sticking. What does explain what that means for the people that don't know? when you're just like like gripping the selfie stick so hard your <laughs> knuckles are white and and you're just standing there and you got this like you, you've been forcing the smile so long that your cheeks are starting to cramp that's when you're that's when you're really <laughs> selfie sticking you know like did your mom ever do that thing when you make face like your face is gonna stick like that i wonder if like that's gonna oh yeah be, like influencer <laughs> yeah. arthritis in 20 years or just gonna be like stuck with like a weird permagrin just dead eyes uh-huh. and a big permagrin. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a good place to leave this. Is there anything else that you want to say to uh to the listeners at large? Uh I mean not really. <laughs> Thanks for listening this far. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Gary, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad we finally made this happen. Yeah, man. Thanks. Talking shit about a pretty sunset Blanket and opinions that I'll probably regret soon Changed my mind so much I can't even trust it My mind changed me so much I can't even trust myself